0: everybody. Welcome to the Illuminate podcast. I am one of your hosts, Lindsay Hine, and today you're listening to episode 60. Today I'm talking with Laura and Phil Wentworth. They are the founders of a organization called Lot 25. This is an organization in Belize where they are helping provide education for people who are underserved in that community. Phil has 15 plus years working in Belize. He is vested in the culture and the community there. Laura, she's a board member, has her master's in early childhood education and also has 15 years of experience working in Belize. That's actually where they first started talking. This is where their dating history started uh, on a trip to Belize. Laura has 12 years of teaching experience, primarily in early childhood education, and she has served as a Head Start teacher and administrator for five years before moving to higher education. So they use Laura's skills and education and knowledge around education to help bring this program to life. So they aim to provide opportunities for students in Belize who dream of continuing studies after primary school, but are limited by financial and academic barriers. This is a nonprofit foundation, and you can find out more when you go to lot25.org. All right, friends, if you enjoy this show or any of the shows we're putting out for you here on the Illuminate podcast, please consider leaving us a rating and review. That is such a helpful way new listeners can find us, and we appreciate each and every one of them. All right, enjoy my conversation with Laura and Phil. All right. Well, today on the Illuminate podcast, I'm so excited to welcome Laura and Phil Wentworth to the show. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. you. I'm so excited to have you all on. I don't often get to interview guests that I, you know, have seen in person multiple times. And we've met several times at some of my live podcasts for the other show and at races. And yeah, so it's fun to do this face-to-face and talk about something other than running.
1: Well, oh, I have to say, I feel like you're you're in our house every week. Uh, it seems like I' walk through the house and I hear your your podcast uh, you know playing through Alexa or something like that. I'm a faithful fan. <laughs>
0: It's Glenn my husband calls it my radio voice. He's he's like there's her radio voice. You just like flip a switch. <laughs> um actually though, truly Laura, you you guys came to my very first live show I ever did. And so that meant a lot to me because I sure as heck didn't really know what I was doing back then and and you stuck with me. So that that is you'll always be special to me for that reason.
2: Oh, thank you. Yeah, actually we still remember um, going to that because that was my very first half marathon. Yes. So, and we kind of fell in love with Indy too. So that was a,
1: just a good experience all around. So, yeah, same. Yeah. I love She's it. She's out running the miles for that first time, and I'm I'm eating breakfast or something. You know, sending me pictures of his yeah. breakfast while I'm on mile nine.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Well, okay. Before we get into your nonprofit and everything that you do in Belize. Um, I also have to touch on the fact that you, Phil, have your pilot's license, and you guys just like hop in an airplane and fly over to Indiana from Ohio like it's nothing.
1: Yeah, <laughs> that that is an advantage of having your own plane. Uh, yeah, we uh, we get to have quite a few uh, adventures uh, to and from. Not so much this year with uh, with COVID and everything, but uh, still a few local trips. Um, she, you know, she works for a university that's uh, fortunate enough to have their own airport. So, uh, you know, versus her driving a, an hour and a half or so, it's uh, it's kind of fun when she says, "Hey, can you take me there?" and we can, you know, be there in twenty minutes. So oh my gosh! Uh, I like crazy. getting to play that role.
2: Uh, he's flown me to meetings and things like that before. So, <laughs> and when I get there, my faculty are like, "Did you fly or did you drive?" I'm like, "Do you really want to know?" <laughs>
0: so. That is too crazy to me. I don't know why it's so foreign to me, but it just—I think it's the coolest thing ever. How did you get interested in that?
1: Oh well, doesn't every—you know—every boy at a certain age wants to wants to fly? Um, but uh, no, I—I uh, I think it started off. I wanted a pair of Ray Bans, and I, uh, I think it was the the aviators. And I realized that if you know if you're going to have one of those, that. Uh, you know, you're gonna have that set. You you've got to you got to do the full thing. So got um, a plane to go with it, right? Uh,
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: no. It's 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 something I you know I, I always wanted to do it. Um, it's just one of those you know life usually starts time, money, um, all comes into it, and uh, we just reached a point where, where it was time. And uh,
2: well, and went. also you went for
1: a run one day, and you went past the airport. This is true. So we had, I guess, full <laughs> disclosure. We had been in our new house for maybe like three months and you know, you're just, you're kind of learning the trails, learning where everything's at and uh, went for a run and, and discovered that there's this, an, an airport that's literally a, a mile and a half from our house. Who knew? <laughs> um, meant to be. Yeah, and, and, and you know, that was. Uh, that, I stopped and asked if they yeah, gave, gave lessons
2: and and he signed up, I mean like a week later, so. <laughs>
0: how, long, how long do you have to take lessons before you're officially a pilot?
1: So they go by hours. Um, so to get uh, to get your private pilot, um, the minimum requirement they say is, is forty hours. Um, I think in the United States it's taking closer to sixty or eighty for for a lot of people now. Um, but essentially, it's you know you'll do a, a lesson that's an hour, uh, usually an hour a week, sometimes two hours a week. Just depends, you know, where you're going. So it, uh, I think for me, it took just a, a few days shy of two years.
0: Okay. Wow. And I was just doing you know
1: doing it once a week or so, once every two or twice a week. Um and yeah, you reach a point where I think the commitment part for us was uh was still still in that training phase when I decided that um how was it? I think I was at um I think I was out to we went out to lunch. We went out to Panera Bread and um we're we're having casual conversation. So honey, I bought an airplane. And, and
2: <laughs> yeah, she looks at only. me and
1: she goes, That's okay, I bought a couch. <laughs>
0: so. Couches aren't cheap either. <laughs> no.
2: <laughs> but and it was funny because I was just like, "Well, you know, we really needed a new one, but I guess it kind of leveled the ground there." So,
1: <laughs> I will say, in full disclosure, I never realized. So, so for the rest of my life, apparently, uh, I'm not allowed commenting on the cost of anything. Uh, of course, no, you're not. Nope. I'll always get this this famous tagline back. Like
2: you know, how much was that airplane? You yes. Know? Yes. And he's like, okay, I won't even question the person in your hand or whatever it may be. <laughs>
0: yeah. But I feel like it was you guys that told me like a private, a little airplane like that, like a little two seater like that doesn't cost any more than like a, a new car.
2: Yeah. That's I
1: mean, I, there's a lot, I mean, there's a, it's, it's kind of, um, a, um, I guess just a lot of people are just, there's a mystery behind it and, and really getting into it. It's, it's like owning a boat. I mean, there's, yeah. there's maintenance upkeep. There's the cost mm-hmm. of, of the plane, but. Uh, it it is very affordable if someone wants to do it.
0: Yeah. Oh my goodness. What's the furthest distance you've ever flown?
1: Uh, I think we've gone down. We live in Ohio. We've gone down to to Ocean Isle to Holden Beach down Holden in North Beach, Carolina.
0: Okay. What's the flight time in your in your little plane? Cause like is it much slower than if you were get, to get on like about,
1: a about three and a half hours. Uh, three and a half. Yeah, about three and a half hours to get there. Um, it's um, what is it a nine ten hour drive? Yeah, it's about ten hours in the car.
2: Do you sleep, Laura?
1: All the time. You do. <laughs> I don't know how she does. Yeah.
2: yeah, and he didn't think I could in the beginning, but like it, sometimes, especially when you get up to a certain altitude, um, it just gets really comfortable. And I mean, she's got what the else neck pillow going not on fly there. To plane,
1: she's so. you know heads back, and you know yeah. she's out cold.
2: Okay. <laughs> so, how did you all meet? There's a good story. We actually met in Belize. Um, you did. So. Yeah, we were on the same mission trip, and we were um, just kind of sitting around one day. And I guess everybody else was off doing things, and we had stayed behind. And we started talking to each other, and just kept communicating with each other once we got home from that trip. And there was something about like the actual um, town that we were staying in, the work we were doing. It was just we had so much that we could share. Um, and then come to find out we really liked each other, and um,
1: then when we got my back. She liked my smolder. What? She liked my smolder. Uh, the smolder, yes. Uh, <laughs> and,
2: and so he just, he kind of, uh, he came over with, like, the leftover, I don't know if this was, like, the weight of my heart was through my stomach or something, but he brought these <laughs> like leftover
1: cookies that he had had. Yeah, in, I think he, I was leaving on a flight before you guys for some reason. Okay, yeah. yeah and
2: I was, he I was, leaving he was like, do you want before? my fudge rounds? <laughs> <I'm>
1: like, <laughs> okay. So full disclosure, this me. was the... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a this, sign. this trip, we didn't, you know, this was... Uh, had you been out of the country before? No. Okay. Mm-mm. So we, both, we were both new to being out of the country. And if you go back, so I, I was in my early 20s. I had the, the world's pickiest palate. I should probably say I still do to some extent. But um, I was concerned about uh, what, what could I eat in this uh. foreign country. So I had went to the grocery store, and, you know, what does is, what is every, like, college-age uh, guy get? You know, so you have your fudge rounds, you have your oatmeal cookies, you know, <laughs> you, you set yourself up. And uh, the um, I think throughout that week, that, that was uh, people, when they started realizing I had that food, they would come by, and, you know, ask if, you know. He started to become, like, a human vending machine, so <laughs> he
2: was like, sure, have some, and I yeah. guess that might how I initially made contact. But um, I don't know. I think after that I was, like, you know, he's actually a pretty fun person, but we've known each other since we were
1: teenagers. So, but we really didn't consider oh. dating until like college. So yeah, we, I think we flirted around the same circle of people, but really didn't know each other. Right.
0: Okay. So you knew of each other. You were, were you from the same hometown and then, but you actually got to know each other on that trip.
1: Right. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Okay. And so what's so cool about that is now you all have a nonprofit in Belize called Lot 25. So that's a pretty interesting part of your story that you actually got to know each other in that community. And now you're living out like another passion together there. So tell us how it came about and what is Lot 25?
2: Um, So we actually initially that first trip um, we came back a couple of years later because we made some friends and when I went on the first trip, I didn't really know how
1: I could contribute. And I was a, uh, education major halfway. It was, it was like a house building trip the first time, right? Like it was building like almost like a habitat for humanity. It was building houses. Right. Like the first so, we and I'm building. not
2: really good at that kind of thing. I just knew that maybe there was something else I could be doing that would be helpful. Um so they said well why don't you go volunteer at the school for a little while and just see if there's something that you could do there uh, and so I thought well this is a good opportunity to get some experience as a teacher and we ended up making a lot of connections and finding out that this school was pretty high risk in terms of um students graduating and um just the home lives of the students were pretty hard overall um and just we both found ourselves wanting to come back so that we could continue to help because they really didn't have any other source of outside, um, assistance. And so we made another trip in 2006. Uh, we were engaged at that point, um, did basically the same thing, but we just kept thinking, you know, wouldn't it be great if we could bring a bigger group down here, like more of a service group, um, we know that the teachers need a lot of resources. They need uh, financial contributions, things of that nature. So um, I was just kind of dreaming at that point, what if I had a, a position as a teacher where I could actually bring my own students here? Oh, cool. Um, and so that was kind of where that started. And then a couple of years later, um, I was hired through OU, and one of our requirements as a faculty member is to have um, some sort of a service to the community every year. And I connected with our study abroad office and started asking, how do you set up a course that goes abroad? And it wasn't as complicated as I thought it would be. Um, And we already had all the connections. I had the names and contact information for the principal and several different host families and teachers. Um, And that just kind of within a year or so, we put together a proposal and it was accepted and we began to recruit students. Um, And I, I think we did... See, one or two two years before we started thinking about mm-hmm. the nonprofit, because while we we had a very successful recruitment through OU and taking a good group while we were down there we were mostly um, supervising interns they were in the classroom doing great work but we didn't have time to do anything else like we were just watching them teach giving feedback um, and then at the end of that trip we were realizing you know people were coming forward while we were there so families would approach us after hours and say, you know, we really need help with this or, um, whatever the need may be, but it laid outside of education. And we thought if we had a nonprofit, we could potentially, um, kind of fundraise for these situations and help also help students with, um, tuition so that that's not going to be an issue, um and we started talking to some of our students who had gone on the trip. Some of them went repeatedly, so every year for like three years, and a small group of them, we started discussing um, what would happen if we formed like a board and through a foundation, and we register with the state, and they said they were in. So um, they are fully graduated licensed teachers at this point, and they want to stay involved for the long term. So that's kind of how it was formed was through, um, our connections with OU and through students, um, who are now professional educators. Um, and they're still, we're still in contact with them and we're still hoping to do another trip soon, but obviously we have to kind of wait it yeah. out at this moment. So.
0: OU, is that Ohio state? That would be Ohio the- university. Ohio university. Okay. Um, well, I think that's so cool. And, I'm curious what that looks like long term, because, you know, I feel like, you know, people you've probably heard people having lashed back about like, oh, people go into this communities and build houses or do this and that and then they leave. And so talk to the listeners about the sustainability of the program and how you guys are in it for the long haul.
1: Yeah. So, you know, obviously, when you look back at it now, we've got a little bit of a, of a- Track record there. We've, we've been working in the area since what, 2004. Mm-hmm. Um, when we came with the idea of the nonprofit, it was really what we are looking at what are the different pillars we want to have. So we thought of okay, there's, we definitely see the need for financial support, whether that be for students um, continuing on the high school. Uh, right now, they finish around age 13. Um, and then they're finished with the primary school and, and to go on to, to high school, there's a, a cost associated with that. So we thought we could really make an impact with that. Um, supporting the, a lot of times the schools, um, you know, it's, it's a, again, it's a different world. The, a lot of times the schools will just go without. So we realized that another pillar would be really, how do we support those schools? Um, but then really that long term we talked about that sustainability is, um, how do we take this idea of supporting um, a few here and there and how do we make that grow? How do we make that something that um, we can offer to the community that, um, that really has uh, lifelong impact? And that's where we really had this idea of a, of a school for Lot 25. Um, and it would be um, essentially nonprofit run, but it would really, those students who are not able to afford that really want to go onto that high school, uh, it would be locally ran and operated uh, from there. Um, we've had some conversations with with some teachers down there. Um, we've we've looked at a couple of ideas, uh, really just trying to make those connections. I think we're still a few years off from that. Uh, obviously, projects like that are are uh, you know not cheap, but uh, we're we're still exploring that. And I think I think for us, I think that's the the long term vision is to to really put down some some establishment there and uh, uh, see where that takes us.
0: So it would be a nonprofit high school. That yes. the kids could go to free of charge.
1: Yes. Yeah.
2: yes. Tuition paid. And that's that's kind of our, our big vision for the moment. Um, but in the meantime, while we are figuring out how to do that, um, one of the purposes of our last trip, we actually made our first service trip as an organization this past March. And um, we interviewed all of the students who were about to age out of the school. So fifth and sixth grade is the equivalent here. Um, but we asked them, do you want to go to college? Do you want to have a career? Like, what are some of your hopes and dreams? And started to create a profile on each student so that we could track them over time, um, and identify the ones who were in the most need of a scholarship. And we've done a lot of fundraising with things like bracelets and shirts and, um, social media of things. Um, and we're contributing that directly to those students who we we want to see them go on. And without the financial assessment or I'm sorry, assistance, um, they probably wouldn't get to even though they want to. Um, so, for example, we have one family who uh, the father has four children and his wife passed away suddenly of cancer last year. So he's working part time and he's supporting all of his children uh, but one of whom is she's top of her class ready to move on um, but without outside help it would she would have to stay home and she would be caring for her siblings Um, so those are the sorts of things we we don't want them to give up and we want to be able to um, see them succeed so we stay in touch with the maestro who is the principal, and he also will let us know of any cases where there is extreme need um, to help us kind of fill in the gaps there.
0: You know, it's like when you look at the the world, (laughs) there's a lot of scary and sad things happening for a lot of people, and Mm -hmm. it's easy to just walk away and say, like, it's too much. Like, it's too much. Like, what can I do? And what I'm seeing you guys do is that you have, like, immersed yourself in this culture in Belize. And you've taken on this small community to make that your mission. Um, And and it would be so easy to just walk away and say, like, that was hard. Like, and those experiences, when I got to go on those service projects and witness, like, I got to experience that. But, like, their life is hard. What can I do? And you're actually doing something about it. Um, I think we oftentimes get overwhelmed with the big the big picture of the whole world because you can't save everybody. You can't provide education for everybody. Um, but what right. you guys are doing is so powerful. Um, how many students are you guys touching each year when you bring the, the students from OU down to Belize?
2: So this school has about... 450 students, I believe. That's right. Um, And we have some students who are directly sponsored. um, And really, we've just started that process uh, because some of these OU students who are now teachers, when they were interns, they identified um, a few students who could use some long-term help. And they've personally just decided to just kind of adopt them and they uh, provide for them. Uh, But then also when we go down... um, the entire school body, we will donate what we can to the maestro to help, uh, upgrade the facilities there. So they recently built a fence, um, around the property, uh, because the soccer field that's on their campus is really close to a main road. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times the ball will get kicked into that road. Um, the plumbing, the electric, the, um, internet, we actually didn't have internet about 10 years ago. They were pretty far behind mm-hmm. in terms of um, modern abilities. So um, Phil brought down a couple suitcases worth of wiring and some different tools. Um, and he worked really hard to make sure they were online. Um, so sort things like that. We try to, if we can't um student, obviously it's a very large scope, but we do try to invest um, our fundraising in ways that's going to benefit all of those students as they're there and learning.
1: Yeah, and I think, you know, talking about the technology there is, so, so my background is technology, um, but the, um, the classrooms there are very much like, I don't know, it's just, it, again, can't even really compare it to any of our modern classrooms. Mm. Very little technology, very, you know, it's, uh, you know, in ours you walk in, there's smart boards, there's data projectors, mm-hmm. there's internet in every classroom. Um, none of that exists uh, in the, the schools we've been. So we had an opportunity, uh, and this this goes back a few years, but is in 2013 we had actually um, had a uh, we had this idea of well we should be able to build a computer lab uh, for one of the, the schools. And uh, even our local our local schools, we was able to get a lot of donations for for older computers, um, and made arrangements to get those shipped down there. Uh, um, Put in the lab and it's, it's neat to see that uh, I think it's going on seven years later that, that that lab is still it gets you know daily use the students you know the, the one particular school has got a uh, a computer curriculum built on right now with our learning basic computer skills and stuff that they're going to need for their you know their careers uh, or their jobs outside um, uh, when, they, when they're finished at school.
2: They hired a um, an IT yes. teacher I think after that point too because um, they were all pretty new to it as faculty also so um, he was very more than willing to help everybody, uh, get the handle of it. So
0: what do jobs yeah. look like, um, in Belize where in the community specifically that you're in, like if compared to, if you don't, you know, make it past education at 13 and if you do make it to, um, that high school education.
1: Yeah. So, um, in the community we're in, we're in a community called Santa Francisco and the, um, the community—it's a farming community. So, sugarcane is the number one—I um, guess you'd want to call it—it's uh, it's the most um, profitable, or I guess the most job opportunities. Yeah, yeah, it's the number one trade down farming. there. Okay. Um, a, a lot mm-hmm. of times, the, uh, the the men or the boys, if they're um, they finish um, primary school, if they're not going on the high school, that's that's often a, a path for them. Um, the country's really had a big change in the last 20 years, though, where tourism, uh, I think it's tourism just in the last three years has overtaken. sugarcane is the number one uh, GDP. So um, and that is that's not on the mainland. That's that's out on the islands. Um, so when you hear commercials for like visit Belize or buy Belize, a lot of times they're talking about the islands. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of uh, tourism type of jobs that have really become available. Um, and, and I think the tourism as well requires a, a high school or a college level um, degree, uh, but or a technical
2: again, school training. Yeah, um, yeah. So there's a, there's a few islands surrounding Belize that are um, maybe like a two hours by boat, or uh, they actually have little regional airports on each island that will connect. Um, but San Pedro Island is one area where many of the students they will go there. Uh, But their families on the weekend because it's, even though it's very touristy on the outer edges, um, it's affordable to natives uh, because it's still in Belize prices. And they, a lot of them will start to think, well, this is what I'd like to do. I'd like to, you know, have a tour boat or whatever it may be. Um, And there's a lot of, like you said, there's a lot of attractions actually that a lot of Europeans, a lot of um, Americans, generally that's the Majority of people who come,
1: um, but they can get. A, there's a lot of opportunity there sure. within that island. So. And I think those who you know those at the high school or college uh, degrees. There's, a, I mean, just as a lot of opportunities, uh, just like here. So there's the banking, business, mm-hmm. accounting, um, you name it. There's there's opportunities for it. communications and even IT have really been growing down there. So uh, we've you know again we've been doing this long enough. We've seen some families and some. Um, ones actually grow up there and have had, you know, they, their school schooling had been sponsored and um, they've gone on, they've got great jobs. Um, boy, some of them travel a couple hours a day by bus to wow. get to their jobs.
2: Yep. So makes sure for some long early. days
1: for them. But uh, yeah, there's 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 opportunities down there. And and I think for us, the, the education seems to be key to really opening up a lot of those opportunities. Um, and, and obviously having the, the university background, I think that's really uh, where a lot of that stemmed from is realizing that. So and on the flip side, though, if they don't complete a degree and
2: they don't go on to high school and what we call college, they call university, um, then they usually will just go home to um, maybe be a street vendor. Sometimes they'll, mm-hmm. they'll sell food or whatever it may be. Um, many of them, depending on, it's it's kind of more of a male-dominant society um, and We do a lot of advocating. We try to get the girls to dream bigger. uh, But it is isn't uncommon to see the men go out and work in the fields and the women um, will maintain the home. Mm -hmm. So and girls get married very, very young down there, especially um, if they're not intending to go on. Um, And we've seen recently there's a couple of hotels like where we stay. We are inland when we are visiting, and most of the staff there are girls that are about 16 or 17 years old. Um, So they may try to find a uh, part-time position in town, uh, but for many of them, if they're living in the villages, their options are pretty limited.
0: Talk to us about your background in education, Laura.
2: I've been working as an early childhood professor for about nine years and prior to that um i actually worked for head start here in our county and i had kind of a i really loved working for head start um but also at the same time phil was working for a community college and i had been working towards a master's degree and once i finally got that um he had asked somebody within their department um my wife would probably be happy to adjunct. Um, and so I became kind of like, I had two positions at the same time. Um, and they began to merge. So they were sending me interns from Zane State to work at my Head Start Center. Um, and I would have two classrooms of children, um, morning and afternoon. And, um, I did that for about five years. So that was The majority of my experience prior to moving into being a professor, which I did not really expect to do, but I found out that I loved. Um, And that combined with my experiences of working with children in Belize, I started to just grow um, very fond of working with children who had exceptional needs or um, were in a high risk situation and just needed someone to kind of facilitate um, that help. And it turned into um, the opportunity through OU because they were looking for someone who was certified in early childhood, but also um, they were looking to open up study abroad options within the College of Education. And no one had done that as of yet. And I thought, well, that would be, this would be a good opportunity to kind of um, maybe see if we see how it works. And um, we set up the first class and after that, several other faculty members were asking, you know, how do we do this? And they were doing the same thing. Um, but yeah, I think this, this has been what, 12 years since, I don't know, graduated to 2006, but it's, it's gone really fast. <laughs> I'm trying to say, I can't believe like, um, the amount of time, um, working with those children and now working as, um, a professor has been. I've seen a lot of things that I didn't anticipate.
0: Yeah, I mean, did you ever think that you would be able to combine the two passions?
2: No, I never saw this as a possibility. And honestly, um, I mean, I hoped for it, but I didn't really realize that it was possible until uh, I was working with OU and I sat down and had that first meeting with the study abroad office. Um, And coming out of that meeting, I remember calling Phil and just saying, this is what they do. And like, this could be real. Um, And the goosebumps that we had from that feeling, because we just have so many ideas. And when we brought that first group down, um, honestly, like in terms of recruitment, we haven't had to work hard at all. Like when our students hear about the trip, we might show them three or four PowerPoint slides of pictures and they're in. Um, We had 12 people go the first time and that moment, there was like a pausing moment where we had sent everyone off to their classes and the school bell rang and you hear them all start to teach. And I thought like, Aww. like I'm getting all like emotional thinking about it because I was like, this is literally what we have dreamed of doing for a decade. And it it's in front of me. Oh. Um, so, and it just, you know, from there, it just kept getting more and more, um, like more of our students, they were like, can we come back? Can we repeat this trip even though it's a course credit? I'm like, I, I don't care. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. How long do they go for? The first trip was a week. Okay. And now now we're up to two weeks. Okay. Um, and they they do their teaching from 9 to 3. And then we have some touristy things that we'll do um, on the weekends. Um, but mm-hmm. they really just they want to be on, on site and see those children as much as possible. Because the kids get an hour and a half lunch break, but so many of them choose to stay and they'll just sit with their teacher. um, And they, they keep coming back. There's something about this place, but they're also so loving and generous and like the most compassionate people you'll ever meet. So um, they give us all the food that they can possibly cook and they would give us the shirt off their back. And we just can't believe um, how much they prioritize kindness and love over um, everything else. And so I don't know if that
1: fully answers that question, but, um, Well, I think the one thing about, you know, so us having, you know, going down there every year, um, we're starting to see some parallels. It's fun watching some of these students that have returned time and time again. Um, you know, how, how that village, how this, this calling has kind of gripped us. You you see that taking fold and, and starting to happen with a lot of these students. And, uh, I don't know. There's something about that that feels very, um, you know, you can just, again, like you said, sit back and just like that realization that how this is all unfolding. Um, you know, it's, it's a nice feeling. I feel very
2: blessed to, to have seen such a big dream come true. And we always kind of joke, but also sincerely feel bad for the day before we have to leave our students. Um, but the teachers are all crying <laughs> and they're all, you know, hugging kids. And um, because I know some of them are afraid they'll never be able to come back. But we tell them we'll always find a place if you, you know, want to provide some more service. So.
0: So what does it look like the week or two that they're there? Like the kids teachers that are in Belize, like what are they doing during that week that you guys have your student teachers in there?
2: So we, um, place them basically it's sophomore juniors and seniors that will go. Um, and depending on how far they are in their education program, um, sometimes those teachers kind of get a little bit of extra time to do whatever else they need to do. Um, the other teachers will stay with that intern if they're a little bit on the less experienced side and kind of guide them. Um, but depending on the classroom we might have two interns in a room too to kind of support each other but um but yeah
0: and so So. the purpose for the students like if they didn't do this program what would those students be doing for that credit like when they go to do this is their purpose to get in is their biggest purpose to get in a different teaching environment a different education environment
2: Actually, they get a credit for something that um, a course that they're required to take on campus anyway. Okay. okay. Uh, and it usually I try to make the experience align with whatever the content of that course is. So we actually will start to meet about eight weeks before we leave um, on a weekly basis. And they'll start to they'll have conversations. They'll do assignments and things related to that. Um, and then the bulk of that is done by the time they've gone on the trip. So we both course prep and trip prep, and then we leave. So it's about a three month experience.
0: Okay. So I just want to make sure I understand it clearly. Is lot twenty five? Is it combined with the student teaching program? Like,
1: yeah, yeah. So again, I think it. I think when we started, I think they're running in parallel right now. Um, so we have the we have the class trip that goes down every year. We have lot twenty five that was set out to really do this again, be that support for the schools That's and support. for the students. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. This like this March was our first um, Lot Twenty Five sponsored trip uh, where we took a uh, lot of the Lot Twenty Five members went down. We really kind of assessed needs to figure out what is you know what is it going to look like for us to support. So we Lot Twenty Five we've been established for a little over a year, um, and I think there, it's funny how fast that year goes. Just in the logistics of um, I I've never done a nonprofit before and oh I can't even year, imagine so.
0: how much how hard it is to file and.
1: Yeah, oh, and, and you know, so uh YouTube comes in very yes. handy. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um uh, yeah, really going through that first I think that first year just kind of flew by. Um but we got ourselves organized enough that we'd said, you know, um we've we've been raising money, we've been doing all these campaigns, we're, we're ready to sponsor we're ready to sponsor students, we're really uh to assess needs. So March was gonna be our big kickoff. March was going to be this, you know, the first time that, hey, this is going to be our, <laughs> our first trip. Um, we got there on a Saturday. It was, everything was great. Sunday, we, we Sunday was normal. Monday was, a, we went to the schools to start working on these student profiles. Great day. And then we get a text on, on that, tu- I think it was Tuesday. We get this text that says something like, the university yeah, is closing. <laughs> the university's closing for the rest of the semester.
2: And oh my gosh. We were out of the country and everything is yeah. shutting down. Whoa. I think like, yeah, like oh, the rest yeah. of
1: the world, I think it was like, you know, we, you know, you heard on the news talking about this this uh, coronavirus, and, and, and I don't think any of us were taking it seriously. I mean, no, I think it was yet. just, uh, mm-hmm. no, I mean, it was, you saw a couple people at the airport that maybe, maybe had a uh-huh. mask on or something, but yep. nothing like that. Yep. And then after Tuesday, it's like the entire trip just took this on this whole new uh, dynamic where it was um my we have phone to get this
2: work done yeah so we can get yeah home. <laughs> we, we had to get
1: this work done and there was this looming thought you know a phone was constantly ringing and blowing up as developments are happening at home saying hey uh we're going online the rest of the semester I'm like, what um airlines are you know trying to are like you know your flight you keep getting these updates for your flights keep changing we get notice from the embassy that the country is uh, going to be closing its borders and oh, you know, all this gosh. stuff
2: like, <laughs> we were having a couple panic attacks. I know. Did you, yeah.
0: were you worried you wouldn't be able to get home?
2: Yeah, I yeah, very much. And I think that last, the last day that we were on site, we were supposed to come home on a Saturday night and he managed to get on the phone with American airlines on like a Thursday evening and got us bumped up to Friday. Um, but it was starting to look like if we didn't get out, we were going to be stuck there. Yeah, And I think they closed so their borders like a day or two they later. Did. Yeah. Within 24
1: wow. hours. Oh, yeah it was, I didn't it was ex- realize
0: you guys were down there at that time yeah
1: it yeah. was and, and I think it was so I mean, it was I,
2: so quiet when we left like we had no idea this was going to explode so big or it was we never would
0: kind of like in a week's time everything was like wait a minute and everything just everything shut yeah. down
1: yeah yep. and, and and the world is already so different when you're down there I mean I think that all the all the the, the schedules and the worries that you have in your, right. your daily life back at home are kind of fade away when you're there mm-hmm. and then suddenly like when we're you know, you're, you're always a little apprehension about apprehension about going home. Mm-hmm. But I think uh, I think this time we didn't know what we was going back to.
0: Was your flight full?
1: Uh, the flight was full.
0: Yeah, everybody's yeah. trying know, to get home.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and you you get yeah. to the airport and suddenly the mood had changed. I mean, it was. I don't think anyone really. No one had a handle yet on was masks appropriate. Did yep. you need full decon how suits? How do we I mean, you protect was, ourselves? It was crazy. And we
2: had a, a student intern down there who had. She was our first intern as a result of the Belize program. She was going to teach all semester. And yeah, and that was, it was really exciting to see her be chosen for that. And then something through the cost program is what it's called. Um, She was placed there. She traveled on January 4th and she was supposed to stay till April. But the week we were there, she was told to go home. So even though you know, that was upsetting to her. At least we were with her. And I'm really glad for that because we all came home together.
0: Oh, that is good. Oh, wow. It was the first intern that was going to do a full long semester. Yeah. Okay. So you guys really like you're a year in, but you really like right as things are starting to take off COVID hit and you're kind of, yeah. Okay. Now I'm seeing it more. Okay. So I'm seeing what you're saying now. Lot 25 goes with the program so that and lot twenty five provides like the resources and extra financial things that the the student abroad programs not providing. You're providing the student. Yes. Opro- it's like goes hand in hand. Okay, so when you go down with a student abroad program, you can provide these other resources.
1: So they're separate. Yeah. And they're separate in the sense that there's not. They're not. They're not affiliated in any way other than it just we happen to be. Connected going, with the school. going. Okay. Yeah, right, we're going, right. the Lot 25 was meant to be separate. Uh, we, we, we certainly see the needs when we're there as students uh, and are representing the university. So it, it's really been kind of great in, in that being a theater per se where you can, we recognize the needs and then do the foundation on, uh, uh, separately. Sure. We can help out. Mm-hmm. And we built,
2: we built that foundation through choosing some of our um, most invested students who had participated in the trip.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, tell us about, about the name behind Lot 25?
2: So it stands for, um, so we're, we're Christian inspired. So it stands for the least of these, um, Matthew 25, um, and the verse just talking about whatever you've done to the least of these unto the least of these you have done for me. Um, and that was something we had thought was f- just fitting because, um, The this whole entire experience began with a mission trip, Um, and while we are now more service based, uh, we still wanted to kind of keep that perspective to an extent, Um, and it gives us a a mission focus just to remember that uh, what we're doing and why we're doing it, um, and why um, it's so important to invest in the children that we're working with and the families that we're working with. Um, and they've, they've also, they're a, a Catholic nation. And okay. so that's something that we're surrounded by when we're down there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a Catholic school as well. Okay. So, um, we've, we've attended a lot of, um, different functions with them. Um, and we know that that's a value that they have as well. Um, but yeah, I think that's, that's kind of what we played around with a lot of different oh, it's acronyms. it's so hard um, to
0: name anything.
2: <laughs> It is. It's really true.
1: Yeah. And I think really the the, fa- the foundation of it, it was how there's, we saw so many needs, you know, we would go down as a school, you would teach for a week, you'd get to have that, that educational experience, but there was just so many needs outside of that. And mm-hmm. that's where we thought the foundation really could come in and start being able to help. You know, I think one of our taglines is that, you know, Helping dreams become reality. It's it's really that. It's the, um, sometimes it just needs that financial support or just that uh, that connection. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's that's really what our, our vision with the, the foundation is, is to be able to do that. Um, we talk about you know when it comes to how can we help. I mean, um, so a typical after they graduate, if they want to go on to university, high school, uh, it's roughly around that's um, around five hundred dollars a year American. Uh, I is, think four four ninety somewhere around there, and that varies depending on the school you're at. And you know, for us, if you think about that, I mean, I, I'm I'm guilty of Starbucks. So sure. so if I'm you go to Starbucks, right drive, exactly. <laughs> so you know, two <laughs> of us hour. go through the Starbucks drive-through line uh, two hours ago, and you know, it was probably what 950, yep. uh, 975 for two yep. drinks. And when you start doing the math on that, you realize that wow, you know, it, very easily. Uh, and, and again, not not uh, not putting down Starbucks. I love it. Got to have it. But but really, you can uh, the cost with it, What we spend on Starbucks is, is for the year, easily yeah. can cover the cost of university mm-hmm. for a year. So uh, I think for us, there was that just that realization. Um, so that's what we're trying to do is is you know certainly raise money for students to be able to to be able to pursue those dreams and uh, uh, even you know again small amount for us. Uh, doesn't really affect our lives any, uh, you know, for for that small amount. it's it's, But it has a huge impact for them.
2: And I think we're also finding with the least of these, um, that was kind of maybe a phrase to keep in mind when we were going down there, because not only are we seeing um, the need in the schools, but we're starting to see it in the surrounding community. Um, we had a family approach us when we were there in March, and they walked from one end of the town to the other to reach where we were having dinner with another family. Um, They had heard that we were in the community and they wanted to see if we could help them. And they had two small children, one little boy um, and then a little girl who, she looked to be about the size of a three-year-old and she was sitting on her dad's lap. She was actually seven um, and she'd had four surgeries since birth and still was not able to walk. Um, and they were asking, you know, if we could get, have the money to get to the hotel and pay for the doctor's bill, they say one more surgery might fix her. Um, but they had been traveling back and forth to Belize city, which was two and a half, three hours one way. Um, and it pretty much had bankrupted them because um, they had spent all their money on this little girl trying to heal her. So it's things like that that we want to be able to help with that normally we couldn't, um, if we were on the study abroad trip,
0: you couldn't just be um, like, yeah, here's a thousand dollars.
2: Right. Exactly. Um, and we want to come back with the information on these families who could use support or sponsors or whatever it may be. Um, and even connections. I think that's, so yeah. Oh yeah. And, and definitely trying to, um, we maintain a lot of friendships through, especially through Facebook. They're all on Facebook now. Um, And since internet came to their country, probably in the last eight to 10 years, they've all acquired a cell phone. um, And many of them are on social media. And that is actually a blessing in itself because prior to that, we had no way to contact them. We had to go down there. Um, So we've made a lot of um, connections and it's starting to branch out to other schools. And so um, when the community has a contact number, then we're able to, you know, better serve them. So, um, that's kind of the purpose behind the nonprofit in itself is just to, um, give as much aid as possible and what we're able to do.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think there's also the work, unfortunately the work is never going to be done there. Mm-hmm. Um, you, know, you talked, you mentioned earlier in the podcast about what is it? Sustainability. Well, it seems like, you know, at a, even when you look at, um, Okay, if we're going to focus truly on just just scholarships and a school, uh, it it never seems to end, even Mm -hmm. for the needs down there. It seems like um, every trip where we discover 10 new things or (laughs) or different avenues, like you said, different schools, um, a person can truly spend a a lifetime down there um, and, and, um, again, not be able to touch everyone.
0: Well, I think it's so awesome that you guys are doing it and that you – took what you were already doing and made it into something to help these people. So, and it sounds like their relationships are really special as well. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, how can we find out more information about it?
2: So we have a website, lot 25.org. Um, uh, and it gives kind of a uh, rundown of our entire, uh, memberships or not memberships so much, but board members. Um, and, how to sponsor, and then also just the current projects, uh, that we're working on. We're hoping to put up, um, some student profiles in the coming months. And when we originally went down in March, that was our intent was to build up the website. Um, so as COVID progresses and everything, we're hoping that we can, um, eventually sponsor those students. They're not in school right now. Mm. Um, but when they go back, they will still need the help. Um, and then we have a Facebook page as well. So, you can search Lot 25 and um, that will link you to it or find my name, Laura Wentworth or Phil Wentworth and it, it's on our profile as well. So.
0: That's awesome. Um, all right, well, let's let's wrap up with some into the podcast questions. I know right. you have, uh, this question is what's something professionally or personally you'd like to do that you haven't done yet? I know that building that school, the nonprofit high school is, is a big dream, but is there anything else that... Um, you would like to accomplish? Wow. You're already a pilot.
2: <laughs> <laughs> his are all checked off. so <laughs>
1: We could add scuba to that. I don't know.
2: <laughs> he has been talking about getting his scuba certification.
0: You've started a nonprofit. Uh, You've done a lot.
2: <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I feel like, um, I don't know. And this is probably just goes back to running. I want to complete that marathon. Oh, yeah. I want to get it done. So. Yeah. And I'm, you know, I think that maybe this is a good uh, time off to like build myself up
1: so I can go back to it. But um, that's just for me. It'll happen. Boy, um, you know, unfortunately, I, I tend to, it's just some days I wake up with new ideas and uh, and that they're just kind of stuck there and want to pursue them. So uh, maybe we'll call this the, the off season we're uh, uh, contemplating right now. Don't Don't have any big big ideas at the moment that's unusual for him I'll just let you know
0: well I, t- <laughs> I took the answer when I said the school
2: <laughs> oh, okay well but I mean that is true we do want to see that school happen so um, and then I don't know I think I kind of like to retire down there <laughs>
0: <laughs> that would be like awesome yeah. oh yeah that'd be awesome um, who is something or an organization or someone that you would like to illuminate on this podcast
2: we actually we sponsor um i think we're just into student sponsorship um but we are sponsors of the little girl who lives um in she is Dominican Republic um and she is through food for the hungry oh, okay and so they are a really awesome organization because they go all over the world um and it's It's like $35 a month. It's not Mm -hmm. bad. Um, And they send us updates on her all the time. And it's just been really wonderful, especially when I'm sure things are even harder over there for her now um, to see the work that they do. So providing for school and for food and uh, making sure that those kids grow up well.
0: What's the best, most recent book you've read?
2: Best, most recent book. Uh, I actually just finished a James Patterson series. Um, I'm really into the women's murder club. I don't know if I can make it into a series, but, um, concerning. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, and that's the other thing that I always have blasting on audible is, uh, murder mysteries, but, um, I'm really into that entire series and he just released a book like in May. So that was great quarantine reading. Um, but, yeah, I think I'm going to go with that one. You listen to a lot of podcasts. I, I do
1: listen to a lot of podcasts. Uh, also, a lot of books, just, just for long travels. Um, um, what did I most recently? Uh, one was called Flight of Passage recently, and it was by uh, – it was a funny name. It was by um, – I think it was by a gentleman named Rinker Buck, but it was a story of him being uh, 16 and uh, them taking a uh, – yeah, Rinker Buck. It was them taking a – cross-country flight imagine that um (laughs) and and him and his brother ages 16 and 17 uh during the 1960s and and kind of the adventure that ensued um I I really enjoyed that one it was to me I was like that's that's the perfect movie we got to make this happen so he tries to get me to read these books about like uh, planes crashing (laughs) and
2: (laughs) and being stranded in some mountain yeah I cannot and then he makes you get in his airplane with him Yes, exactly. I'm like, I need to, I need to be in the dark.
0: (laughs) That's funny. Um, okay. What's your one message to send to the world?
2: Um, I really, I really like the phrase, um, be kind to everyone you meet because they're all fighting a hard battle. And I think that's true. Um, and it's sometimes hard to remember, um, when, you know, from day to day, we may be stressed out or, um, Maybe you just don't feel like necessarily, you see somebody behaving in a certain way, but um, always to remember that um, maybe what they need is just one person to be kind towards them.
1: Wow, I don't know if I could top that one. Uh, Uh, That's what I was gonna say. Uh, Is it?
0: (laughs) That's exactly what he was gonna say.
1: (laughs) Word for word, she read it off my card. No, I think that's, I think that's, I, I think maybe that's why it works so well for us is uh, just to reflect on that kindness. Um, you don't know um, a person's uh, situation uh, or, you know, from our, we may have a perspective of boy, that person's in a family or, uh, okay. or, you know, what's, what's wrong with them. Uh, we, we obviously don't know their story. And I think a little grace and kindness go a long way. Yeah.
0: All right, everybody. Thanks so much, Laura and Phil, for coming on the show. You all can find more about their organization, lot25 at lot25.org. And you can find us on social media. We are the Illuminate Podcast on Instagram, Illuminate underscore pod on Twitter, and we have a Facebook page as well. We would love to connect with you. Also wanted to let you know we have launched a new show in the Sandy Boy Productions Podcast Network, and that is called Why is everyone yelling with Lindsay Hine? This is a show where I talk with other parents and experts on certain topics in this whole crazy world of parenting. And my hope is that that podcast provides a community and a place where you can feel welcome and safe and supported in your own parenting journey. So check that out. Why is everyone yelling with Lindsay Hine? We also have the Up and Running podcast with Lauren and Abby, and I'll have another with Lindsay Hine, both running podcasts. We would love to have you check out the other shows in the Sandy Boy Network. All right, friends. I hope you're having the very best day, and we will see you next Wednesday on the Illuminate podcast.